If you've been wishing, hoping, and dreaming about taking your business from six figures to multi-six figures or multi-six figures to seven figures, then I wanna make sure you get our new free guide, the multi-six and seven-figure scaling roadmap. Inside the guide, I pull back the curtains and I shared all the strategies that I used and they can help you too. First, they can help you triple your monthly sales. I shared proven strategies with you that led to a 3X increase in my monthly sales. Second, I show you exactly how to crush your limiting beliefs. Say goodbye to doubts like, you can't charge that much and there aren't enough ideal clients for you too. Third, how to only work with ideal clients. I show you how to become the go-to expert and attract only the perfect clients and referrals. And finally, I show you how to quantum leap to $20,000 plus every single month. I show you exactly how to take a quantum leap from 8,000 per month, for example, to 20,000 a month. You can absolutely break through your upper limit barrier and enjoy five and six figure months every single month. Make 2024 your dream come true year by downloading your free guide today. Just click the link in the show notes below. Welcome to Double Your Sales Now, where you'll discover top resources for selling strategies, powerful tips, and best practices to open your mind and performance to the next level. You can double your sales too. So let's get to it with your sales coach, Ursula Menches. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to Double Your Sales Now. Today, Steve Misk and I will be discussing freedom, entrepreneurship, and difficult conversations. As you know, over the last few weeks, we've been having a lot of conversations about what's going on in the world from the murder of George Floyd and how that's impacted the entire world and how we're supporting um, our communities of color all over the world as well. In addition, we are still, as we record this, we are still in the middle of the pandemic, which means so many things for so many people. And our hearts go out to you if you're struggling in any way. We're glad that you're here. And to our international listeners all over the world, we're so glad that you're with us. And thank you for all the messages that you send. And I just want to say hello to Steve before I go on and welcome to the show. Well, thanks for having me, Ursula. I'm just uh, very grateful to be here. So thank you. Well, I'm grateful you're here. And I know this conversation is going to be meaningful. And it's a conversation that we've been having in many different forms over the years that we've known each other. So I'm glad that you're here now. Before we jump in, before I introduce Steve, just a couple of things. If you want to, if you love the show, and I know some of you have emailed us about what you like about it, definitely go to iTunes and leave a review. And after you leave that review, you can go to salescoachnow.com forward slash giveaway, and we have some gifts to say thank you. And just know that your review helps other people know why they should listen to the show as well and how it's helped you. Also, if you haven't yet, go to salescoachnow.com forward slash gift. It's a free PDF, six secrets to double your sales right now. And you can print it out and put it on your desk just to keep you motivated and to keep you going right now. Also, if you haven't been to Sales Camp yet, it's virtual. And we have a very special economic disaster relief price for you to help you out. And it's not going to last forever because as things start to come back, we will shift that. So if you want to take advantage of it, you can email us at contact at salescoachnow.com and my team will get you all the information. With that, let me tell you about Steve and why I'm thrilled to have him here. Steve Miska is the executive director of First Amendment Voice a nonpartisan effort to reinvigorate civic awareness around free expression, religious liberty, press freedom, and other First Amendment issues. He also founded Servant Leadership Citizen Consulting, or SLC, Inc., after retiring as a colonel with 25 years in the Army. His last assignment was teaching graduate students as the Army Chair at Marine Corps University. 
Previously, he served in the Obama White House as director for Iraq on the National Security Council. In 2007, on his second of three combat tours, Steve led a team that established an underground railroad, railroad for dozens of interpreters from Baghdad to Oman to the United States. He earned top economic, excuse me, <laughs> academic honors as a counterterrorism fellow at the College of International Security Affairs and has taught economics at the United States Military Academy, West Point. Steve routinely speaks on First Amendment issues and soft networks and has addressed DIA, RAND, the Pacific Council on International Policy, the Young President's Organization of LA, and numerous media outlets and think tanks. He holds degrees from Cornell University, National Defense University, and West Point. He and his wife of 28 years have two children and reside in the amazing Southern California, which I miss. So with that, Steve, I'm excited to have you here. I mean, your background is an is pretty unbelievable. And here you are starting this nonpartisan organization. I mean, can you tell us a little bit about your story? Sure, yeah. I would have never thought I would be doing this because my background is very much in the foreign policy space and having spent um, so much time, I spent 40 months in Iraq and then came back to DC for three different tours in DC. And uh, so I, I I was very much in that space and I ended up transitioning to the, the First Amendment space when I did a study for after retiring um, for a, a nonprofit over radicalization. And that was when ISIS was really front page news in Iraq and Syria. And they couldn't wrap their, their mind around uh, why it was that a 15 year old would get on a plane and fly to Turkey and then cross into Syria to join this group. And more importantly, they wanted to know were there ways that civic and faith leaders could complement government efforts at countering violent extremism, countering this radicalization, this attractiveness. So anyway, I did that study and they said, we really like it. Would you be willing to work on this First Amendment project for us? And I said, I think you got the wrong guy. I don't, I don't know anything about that domestic politics stuff. And anyway, I ended up chatting with my wife and she said, honey, it's really important. Why don't you help him out? And so um, here we are uh, just a little over a year ago, we actually spun it off as its own nonprofit and um, we are growing it and uh, engaging in conversations all over the country. Yeah. Well, congratulations. And thankfully Thank you. your wife was, was right. Right. As you know, our spouses are so supportive and they see often the things that we can't see and the important work we're supposed to be doing. And so we're going to get into it. We're going to talk about like just difficult conversations, what's going on in the world right now. But I want to, everyone listening also wants to know about like, you've started your own consulting business. You helped um, launch and grow a, you know, a nonprofit. Like that's a lot to take on in a short amount of time. And you have this incredible military background. I mean, you've, it's unbelievable, just all of these things. So what, when you think back to like launching your consulting business and even starting First Amendment Voice, have you ever, ever had any limiting beliefs about selling or growing the business or growing the organizations? Like anything that you can share with us? Absolutely. Yeah, it's, um, well, I will tell you, uh, I, I guess I had enough self-awareness to know that the, the military cultivates a, the character trait of humility, right? And everything is focused on the team. And it's not about me. It's about whether we can accomplish the mission. 
And so a lot of veterans are not suited in a good way to enter the civilian sector because they're coming from this environment where they're not, um, they're not, they don't believe they need to sell themselves, right? They don't believe that they're the product many times that, that people want. Um, and so anyway, it's a very different cultural shift and I struggled with it. And so I knew enough, uh, that, you know, I really need to figure this out, um, because I had gone to interviews for senior positions in different places in the country. And I was, I was just realizing that I'm probably not going to do well if I get stuck in a bureaucracy somewhere, whether it's in a corporate sector or elsewhere. It was always a bad fit for me in the army to begin with. So from that perspective. And uh, so anyway, that was when I saw your sales camp and came down and I've been to two and recommended other people that I know to go because it's just a, a great way to reflect and learn from mentors who have traveled that path or who can help you identify some of those. So anyway, I think humility was definitely a big factor. And then just my personal bandwidth has, has also been a, a limiting belief that I need to work through and continue to struggle with quite frankly. But, um, it's uh, those are two areas that I'm sure yeah. you've probably chatted about on your program. Yeah, for sure. I mean, well, first of all, I think when people hear about your background, they probably think you could just push through anything. And, and you're right. It's like when like it's not about pushing through like selling is not about pushing through. It really is about it is about learning and learning a new skill skill set. And I'm humbled that you came to sales camp, by the way, and you were willing to learn and just willing to because I think it can be humbling to admit there's something that we don't know and to go in and really work on that process. And that's an interesting, um, I remember when you were sharing that, like coming from the military, like to have that self, to come back to the self-focus rather than the team, I think is a, is a massive shift just to be able to have that awareness and then to make, make the shift. And I know um, not only did we enjoy having you in class, but I know our students were like, wow, if Steve has struggled with this, I, it's okay that I've struggled with this too. So Thank you for sharing well, that. You, one thing I'd tell you, Ursula, is it's even worse for, for those who held senior positions because you almost don't need to do anything in the military. You just tell people to do it and they make it happen. And then all of a sudden, you are the team, right? I mean, like, wait a second, who's going to do this? Oh, that would be me until I start figuring out how to hire help or ask for help and, you know, bring a collaborative effort together. Yeah. Oh, it's so true. I remember, you know, when I went through the ranks and just the corporate world and all of a sudden I was president of the company and I had all these people, I was like, my CFO would bring me my reports and I start my own company thinking I'm going to have all this freedom, right? That's why we like to start companies. That's our buzzword freedom. And I'm thinking, this is all me now. Like what just happened? Who's going to do this part? And it is, it's this mind shift of like, wow, it is me. And then eventually you'll learn to, you know, um, delegate. And I mean, it's one of the reasons I wanted to have this conversation this week because you know, as entrepreneurs, one of our highest values is typically freedom. It's one of the reasons we do this. And then we take our freedom into, you know, how we view our country and what, what that means to us. And so it's interesting how you have brought these worlds together. But before we go there, I want to go back to a word you said, bandwidth. It, and so when you took on and decided, you know, to both have a private consulting firm and then launch it seems like it's been longer. I don't know if it seems like that for you, but it seems like Freedom and, um, Amendment Voice has been around longer. What, talk about the bandwidth. Is that what you're referring to is how much you can take on at this point and what, how, you, how are you doing it all? 
Yeah. So it's been, been a, um, you know, for me personally, I've got several big rocks in, in, uh, in the rucksack, I guess, to use a military analogy. And so it's just a matter of which ones am I going to carry, you know, this week or this month or even this year. And I've been able to manage it that way um, without, because my knees can't support carrying all of those rocks, right? Right. And, and maybe I can bring other people onto the team in creative ways that allow us, you know, I never want to bring somebody in if it's not going to be beneficial to them, right? And so if it's, if it's interns or research assistants or folks like that, I want it to be a meaningful growth experience. Uh, they get mentorship. Even, and I, I really try hard not to do unpaid internships. I, ju I just believe that we should compensate people for their, their work. Um, and uh, so anyway, that, those have been ways that I've thought about it and managed it. Um, and so there, there's an ebbing and flowing of the major projects as conditions change. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And by the way, I said freedom was stuck in my head. I said freedom amendment voice. I was like, I know that's not right. First amendment voice. So here's, here's what I'm curious about. How do you know, and this is for our listeners, like how do you know, Steve, because I'm guessing you can put a lot of rocks in the rucksack and keep going. How do you know when it's too many or when we should say no, because it really starts to take away from the freedom that we created our businesses for in the first place, right? So we can spend time with our families, quality time. You know, I know for you, scuba diving, like all the things that we enjoy, like how, how do we know when to say no? How do you say no? Uh, so uh, <laughs> when I, it's something I still struggle with. Um, when I first came out here, you know, I retired after 25 years in the infantry. Um, the first half I spent in the airborne infantry, jumping out of airplanes. You know, my wife and I lived in Panama for three and a half years. Then uh, the latter half, I was, you know, in, in Iraq for half the time that Amy and the kids lived in Germany. So we came out here and I said, I'm really retiring. I'm going to, because people would ask me, what are you doing? I said, well, I'm in Southern California. I'm going to the beach. What do you think <laughs> I'm doing? And both Amy and Heather, my daughter, looked at me and they said, uh, oh, no, 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 you need to go back to work. And I said, what, what, what do you mean? Right. And uh, anyway, they were right, of course. Um, and uh, so that's when I ended up starting uh, SLC Consulting because I wanted to be able to focus on things that I was passionate about. And a lot of that was in the nonprofit space. So um, that it has just led to me understanding that I can only take on the projects that we are structured for. And so there, there was a major grant that we got um, about a year and a half ago. I think you remember we, we were yeah. meeting after that. And what that allowed me to do was build an ad hoc team that came together for about a year and a half. And we really focused on research to help former interpreters and other people stay protected who work alongside Americans in conflict zones. Now that is really much on the back burner and I can't do more there right now because first amendment voice is growing and we need to establish a foundation. And so I just, I say no at certain times, knowing I'm going to circle back at some point. And, and many times those are conditions that are beyond my control too. So I've just got to be okay 
with not being able to come back um, to, to things that I am very passionate about and have worked in for a long time. Um, but the, you know, the conditions are just not right. And so, and that's okay. And so yeah. I need to be okay with it. Yeah. I think that's really good advice and that to just know, like we know, we know when it feels heavy or it feels off, we know when to say no. And, but the second piece is to be okay with it and not to carry the guilt around because I know there's so many entrepreneurs who are socially conscious yeah. and you know, there's only so much we can all do in one day. I mean, I, I just like, sometimes my brain is like, okay, what about this? And what about this? And what about this? And you can't do it all, but we can have conversations here. And this is one place where I've been excited to bring support and conversations to the community to, you know, create bridges. And so let's, let's really go there. I mean, you and I, we've had these conversations, um, over the last couple, really, especially over the last six months as things in the world have shifted a lot. And I think, um, you know, you reached out, I reached out to say, like, what's going on? How do we support our communities? How, how can we show up? And you've been kind enough to invite me to coffee um, conversations and things that you do at First Amendment Voice. And so you're the executive director there, right, in addition to SLC. And you focus a lot on our First Amendment freedoms. And we've watched a lot of things like, it, you know, we all know that there are things that are happening in the world that we're striving to understand, we all know that we've probably had some uncomfortable conversations recently and some challenging conversations. And we talked about, you know, racism on our podcast, which I never dreamed that we'd be having these conversations, but I feel really called to support people right now. And I mean, everybody, I mean, every, wherever you are on the spectrum of belief or thoughts or wherever you are, this is a conversation for everyone. And I think uh, when Janice Scram and I had our conversation about racism, you could see, you know, like we've known each other for 16 years. We've been having this conversation and yet I feel like a beginner. I feel like there's so much I need to learn. And so I invite all of you as you, you're listening today um, to become, you know, to come from that space of not knowing it's okay to not know like Steve, come on, like, you know, all these years in the service and you were like, I don't know how to sell. So you found it. So if Steve can show up as not in that space of not knowing, I think we can all show up a little bit in that space. And so, Steve, I just want to, I want to take it away. I want to have this conversation. Like what, what can you give to people right now? How can you encourage them? Well, I think um, your conversation with Janice was really important when you emphasize seeking to understand, right? Seeking understanding is such an important first step and skill because our default mode and it's, it's not anything that's bad. It's, it's how our, our brains have evolved over time. The default mode is we're, we're making assumptions about each other right away. And those assumptions generally are, are coloring how we, we are getting ready to interact or not with another individual. And so if you approach somebody, anybody from the, from the mindset of, I want to understand why he's wearing that hat or, um, you know, why she just looked at me that way. And, and it's not a really in a threatening way. It's just like, help me, help me understand. And that's where our difficult conversations really focus on our, the workshop that we do um, is in that space. And so we walk through neuroscience and how the amygdala can 
flip your lid and it just causes emotions to come out raw. And the problem is there are, Arthur Brooks was the former president of American Enterprise Institute in DC, a think tank. And he just went back to Hollywood, but he wrote a book called Love Your Enemies. And in it, he talks about what he calls the rhetorical dope peddlers. These are um, politicians, they're media personalities who are profiting from division. And it's on both sides. It's on the left and the right. And it's, there's, there are these trends in the United States right now and in many other places in the world that you've got fear-mongering going on in conservative circles and you've got just a general level of intolerance in many liberal circles where liberals are afraid to speak to conservatives because they feel they're going to call them a bigot or, you know, uh, some other term that they've already got in their head because they're making these assumptions. And so what we do in difficult conversations is we bring diverse audiences together to explore, but it all very much starts with seeking to understand. And um, it's, there's so many things playing out in the media nowadays. So uh, we can take this conversation in many directions. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think, I mean, I can speak for myself in terms of the overwhelm I feel um, when I go on any internet site. I don't, we don't have the TV on in our house unless it's a family friendly show. I mean, that's just, you know, our choice, but it's, um, when I read the articles, like there's, there's just, it's, it's like pelting me and it's, it's overwhelming and it, you know, it's from, you know, left, right, center from all of it. And it's easy to go into overwhelm and just feel like I, I just got to take a break, which I think is just fine. But also it can lead to, I've even felt like I just, I can't deal with any of it right now, which also isn't healthy. Right. So how, what's your advice just to, um, for those of, you know, us and I know our listeners, you know, you feel like you want to just fix everything. And then sometimes you want to fix nothing. <laughs> like, How do we cope? What are some steps that we can take? Or what do you recommend in, in your difficult conversations course? Mm. Well, so uh, there's a lot to unpack there. Um, the, the, the first thing I would say is, is focus on the areas that are closest to you mm. um, in your communities or at, at whatever level you happen to be interacting, right? And, and because, you know, I've, I've served at the national level, I'm very much focused on my city right now and trying to understand why there's so much divisiveness uh, right here in San Clemente. So, um, and, and, that, and, and it's normal, I think, because it's reflective of where we are as a country right now where many other countries around the world are in terms of institutional decay um, and, and people are losing confidence in whether it's religion or education or government or the police, whatever it happens to be. And um, so they are searching for, for some sort of, um, I guess, bedrock to rest on. And it's, um, I think, you know, it really starts local in a lot of ways. Um, we're seeing all of these major assemblies, um, protests happening around the world. Um, but there, there are probably protests right in your town. So why don't you go see or somewhere nearby, you can explore that. Or 
talk to somebody who has gone. Um, and then the, the other thing is the way the media is pitching, because our media landscape is, is fragmented and it's um, very diverse. And so what's happening is it's allowing us, and this is normal, this is natural, but we're all probably doing it to a certain extent. It's allowing us to curate our information in ways that are confirming our preconceived biases. And all that's doing, and this is more of the rhetorical dope peddling, right? This is, it's, it's triggering the same cortisol and dopamine uh, that we would get if we were addicted to drugs. And it's, we know that the, the toxic rhetoric out there in the public square is not healthy for us. It's not healthy for the country. But also getting those, those hits, right, off of social media that are confirming our own preconceived biases, that's not healthy for us as individuals, both from a, a mental perspective, but physiologically it can impact you as well. And so that's what you're seeing. A lot of people are turning off the television so they don't watch cable news at all. Um, they're, they're just shutting down a lot of those sources. That's, and, and so we, we explore some of that in our, our digital detox program is how do, you, how do you leverage technology for its good purposes while not allowing us to encroach on that important free time where, you know, you're, you're kayaking with Luca or, you know, you, you don't need your cell phone, man. It might be good for a safety instrument to call for help if something happens, but don't be checking email and texting while you're doing that. Right. And you know that, but it's, it's, it's definitely encroaching on a lot of our personal time, which is important. We all need playtime. Right. Yeah. I mean, I think those are, those are all really excellent points. And I think everything that you're talking about is about awareness and really stepping away from just stepping outside of things and to notice why, why am I reacting in this way? Or why does this feel really heavy? Or why is this really triggering in this moment? And is that really true? I mean, it's one of the things we do at sales coaching all the time is we, we confront our thoughts and we ask ourselves, is that true? Why am I letting this thought hijack me right now? And maybe there's another, like, what if I take a moment and take a step back to understand a little bit more? Because the thing is right now, we don't all, I mean, what I see is so much emotional hijacking for people where they're just being pulled into space that doesn't serve them. It doesn't serve anybody else. And, and at the same time, it prevents us from building those bridges. One of the things I'm curious, and I know you can't talk about, I know that the difficult conversations classes, they're very small, they're intimate, they're very private, they're, um, you keep them confidential. I'm curious though, without giving away details, if there's anything you can share about regarding some of the breakthroughs that you've seen or how you've seen people walk across bridges in a way that at the beginning, maybe of the course together, you couldn't have imagined, and yet here they are. Mm. So I will just tell you, it's, I've been to five of them personally, and I learned something every time. Um, number one, me, I, I, you know, because you're sharing with um, us, you're learning, right, with the, with yeah. the whole group, but you're also sharing in an intimate way with a smaller group. And then there's a one-on-one -on -one session that is just really powerful. And this is after you have figured out sort of what your triggers are, right? You were just talking about how do people push your buttons? Um, and you sit there and you think, is, what is it? Is it uh, aggressive driving? Somebody doesn't use their left turn signal or something. You know, what, what triggers me? 
and why. And so you're exploring that space with another person after you've thought through and shared your personal journey in life. And so I've seen people come together and, you know, a millennial sitting with a baby boomer, both thinking, you know, really, uh, I don't have a lot to in common with this individual. And what you find when you go through that level of, of an intimate experience is that we have so much in common. There is so much more that we share than what divides us. But it's, you're exploring that space through your own personal journey. And that's why it's so powerful. So, you know, in, in just one example is a young woman um, got partnered up with an older gentleman um, wearing a uh, Trump campaign hat. And she automatically assumed there's no way I'm going to have anything to talk about with this guy. And, but what had been going on was she, her husband was dealing with PTSD. This guy happened to be a Vietnam veteran who had suffered PTSD himself. And he ended up coaching her after that, the workshop and they've stayed together and in touch because he was such a valuable resource to her. Wow. But if we let, if, if she wasn't willing to drop the guard and to seek to understand first, you know, and, and so that's the power of, of the experiences, you know, bringing very diverse people together where they can share in a way that they both benefit from. Oh, that gets me choked up. I'm such an emotional <laughs> soul these days, but such a great reminder that, you know, what we share, we share so much more than what divides us. Can we all just remember that for, you know, for just this time that we're in that we share so much. And I think that's, that probably is a great summation of a lot of the, what happens in your class. As we start our, to see each other. You know, Ursula, our country is founded on e pluribus unum, out of many one, right? And the founding documents, there's a lot of problems with the Declaration of Independence and Constitution, but they're aspirational in nature. The, the founding fathers realized that because we are human, we're probably never going to get there. But at least we've got these principles to strive for. And if we're, if we're working toward it, then maybe we're doing our, we're playing our role as citizens. And I, and we all have a role to play there. Um, you know, my favorite line is citizenship is not a spectator sport. So you can't, you know, get off the couch, get and get out there and, and, learn about what's going on and that's exactly what you're doing with this program you're you reached out to Janice and you're exploring some of these tough conversations that are going on across the country and across the world and so it's so important so our time is almost up we went this went so quickly I just no pressure here Steve but what do you want to leave our listeners with and then I'll and then separately I want you to share I, I know you have some ways to get in touch with you but first just like what's your last piece of information you want to gift us with? Well, I would just continue on that theme, Ursula, is that our form of government only works if citizens are active in the public square. And that's what, why I'm so optimistic right now. I think 
we, we are seeing that play out across the country, young, old, you know, black, white, police, protesters. There are people out there who are, are trying to figure this out. And that is so important because one of the, the biggest dangers I think we can face as, as a uh, republic is apathy. Yes. And I am no longer concerned about the younger generations being apathetic. They are, <laughs> no. they feel like they need to get involved and take ownership. And that is so important. And so if your listeners out there are wondering what they can do, I would just say, learn, just explore the ideas and, and, and try to be a lifelong learner and keep understanding and, and, um, you know, it'll, it'll make your life more meaningful and hopefully those around you. Yeah. And I think where we started too with this is that it starts with us, right? It starts with each individual. It starts with your, I think it starts with your family and then your community and then the state that you live in and then your country and looking at, you know, all of those pieces. But at the end of the day, it's us first. And so for all of our listeners who stuck with us all the way, I appreciate you being here and being willing and being open to learn. And Steve, I would love if you would share more information about how anyone could get in touch with you about getting involved with First Amendment Voice. Um, again, you know, it is nonpartisan, nonpartisan. So just to be clear on that, um, how to get in touch with you on, about that and, and some of the courses and workshops and things that you have going on. Sure, absolutely. Well, we're, we're First Amendment Voice is on all the social media and we've got a website out there. So feel free to sign up for our free newsletter. Um, if this type of conversation has been interesting for you, uh, we, we put out two blogs a month, so it doesn't overwhelm your inbox. And then I send out a monthly update on the organization writ large. So, um, and we're, we talk about these types of issues and so many of them are playing out. Uh, so that's the easiest way. And then we've got our difficult conversations workshop, um, which hopefully we'll do one. Um, yes in partnership with you, Ursula. And, uh, but we've got other programs as well, our coffee talks, which are very much focused on some of these spaces, technology, shaping how we consume information, the media, um, and other First Amendment issues. So that's the best way. Excellent. All right. Well, thank you for being here. This was um, for the 4th of July week and I, you know, a week when we're reflecting on our freedoms. And so, Steve, I just appreciate what, who you are, what you bring to our community and what you bring to the world. Thank you for being willing to share. Well, thank you, Ursula. It's been a pleasure to be with you. Yeah. And when your book comes out, we're going to have you back. So awesome. Sounds I great. Wanna thank, yeah. I want to thank our listeners again, all over the world. Um, we love hearing from you. Let us know what you think of the show. Contact at salescoachnow.com. If you um, feel the pull, definitely leave us a review on iTunes and that helps everyone learn more about it. All right, everybody, that's it for now. Make this your best month yet. Thanks for listening to Double Your Sales Now. To get more information to take your sales to the next level, visit us at salescoachnow.com. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to tune in next week. And until then, we'd appreciate your review on iTunes.